Hey guys, this is Tina Recklage, and you're listening to the Grow and Go podcast, the show about growing, challenging, and encouraging each other to dig deeper than the social norms. Let's grow and go together. Hey, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Grow and Go podcast with your host, as always, Tana Recklage. Tan the man. Um, hey, guys. Um, we're starting a new little mini-series. I kind of like these little mini-series. I feel like an actual uh, pastor, <laughs> even though I'm not. But I feel like it's really good to just go through the flow of things and to talk about different little mini-topics. Like we last week, we just finished um, the last little mini-series on the S-word, sex, and just about what it looks like in porn, um, what it looks like before marriage, what it looks like in its context. And it's been really good. I feel like I've got a lot of good reception from it. And I kind of wanted to keep that train going uh, with a different topic. And But before we get into that, it's always time for the embarrassing story of the week, as always, always in the beginning of the episode. And we'll start now. Okay, so this happened just a little over a year ago. So I went to the movies with a couple friends. And we were going to go see It Chapter 2, which, by the way, is not a good movie. Okay, I'll, I'll just tell you that. There's some there's some points in the movie where I'm just like, man, this 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 side character isn't even needed. Um, it wasn't scary, as it should be. Um, it's, it's just kind of, it was unneeded. Okay, the only good thing about it was that they had some pretty good actors in it. But, but that was it. Nothing good. Don't see it if you haven't seen it. But anyway, we were seeing this movie, right? Not my choice, I should clarify. But we were seeing this movie, and um, we're watching it, and there's a part where it's just, there's this really gory scene, all right, whatever. Like, I'm not going to give any spoilers, even though, uh, like I said, you shouldn't see it. But um, it was just, there's this nasty part, whatever, like that. Any horror movie has that now, where it's just like, oh gosh, I'm just cringing in my seat. But there was one point where um, there was some ruckus (laughs) uh, going on behind my seat. And so I just like naturally like lean my head back I, I look behind me and um, all of a sudden I see like a couple people and keep in mind, it's a dark room. Like the only light is from the screen, right? And it's a couple, couple people behind me, a couple tor- towards the, like the side. Um, and so they're not directly behind me, but I look and I notice that this woman is just leaning over um, just like over, over the seat, over the little like space that you can to walk towards the aisle. Right. And she's just leaning over. And I noticed that there was an, like a, like a movie theater attendant. I don't know where the right word for that is, but just someone who works there and is coming in and they have like the little flashlight, you know, and, uh, I'm just, and it was a woman and her husband or boyfriend, whoever was just putting her, her, his hand on her back or whatever. And all of a sudden I'm watching this just unfold. Right. And my two friends who I'm with aren't really noticing that, but I just look over and I'm looking. And then all of a sudden, this woman just throws up on the floor. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, <laughs> like I just naturally was like, oh, gosh, I just saw a woman just throw up behind me. So I <laughs> naturally go back and lean forward, soaking in everything I just witnessed. And I look over to my friend and I said, um, there's a woman behind us that just threw up. <laughs> it was really nasty. Like couldn't smell it. 
I'm I'm not I don't want to get into the nasty details of it, but just the fact that I saw it happen uh, is gross in and of itself, and it was not a good sight to see. And I don't recommend ever watching somebody throw up. Like as I'm, that's one of my fears as a kid or as a like to be a dad one day to like witness like my future wife or my future kids just getting sick and having to be able there to like sit there with them while they're throwing up in a toilet or a bucket as my mom taught us to do, and. And just like having to be there and witnessing it, like I have to be a moral, I have to, I have to be the moral support in that situation instead of turning away and being like, that's disgusting. Get that throw up away from me. Like that's one of my fears as a future father. Right. And so it wasn't embarrassing for me, but it was, it was embarrassing for her. So (laughs) we'll, uh, we'll do embarrassing story of the week for that woman who's throwing up during it chapter two. Um, so yeah, that's the embarrassing story. Okay. So topic, the title of today is about how God isn't annoyed with me. You know, so so often we hear, you know, all these things that God is, right? We hear, you know, God is love. God is loving. You know, God is merciful. God is kind. God is just. God is powerful. God is all-knowing. You can, you, we can go on with the list. We can look through the scripture, look through the Bible, and see all these little things about who he is, right? But the problem is, is with a lot of this affirmation going around, we often forget that there are things that he isn't. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. And I want to talk about why this mini series is about uh, what God isn't, right? Because a lot of times, like I said, we hear a lot about what he says, but we tend to brush aside the little things that he isn't. And one of those things that I believe today in today's episode is that God isn't annoyed with us. And so here's one of the issues. We think God is annoyed with us. And that's just part of our natural natural flaw. You know, we, um, you know, when we become followers of Jesus, we automatically have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, uh, inside us. But sometimes we don't have the facts, right? You know, I think a lot of times it takes, takes years. It takes the process of sanctification for us to understand who God is and who God isn't and what he's designed for and what he's not designed for. And one of the things is I feel like something I've wrestled with for in my own personal this is just my own personal um story for a second i a lot of times i feel like god is annoyed with me or that the fact that i keep going to him or the fact that i'm so you know inconsistent with him is that he's like oh my gosh like when are you gonna get it together you know when are you gonna actually understand who i am when are you gonna actually understand that this is what you're supposed to do and when are you like that question when are you gonna when are you gonna get it when are you gonna get things right you know So we think he's got to be phased by our constant screw ups, constant inconsistencies. You know, I think of people, I think of friendships and stuff when I am just so inconsistent. If I'm always late to work, my boss is always going to be like, hey, man, you're always late to work. (laughs) Like, we need to talk about that, you know, and it's just a natural human thing for us. You know, we feel annoying because we're inconsistent. We're very, we're people who are always failing, right, in his eyes, Um because not that, you know, we're always failures, but that we always screw up and we always sin. We all fall short of the glory of God, right? And sometimes when we go to him, we feel an annoying because we're needy, you know, we're needy by nature. And there's this quote by Ed Welch uh, that says, um, he wrote this in one of his books and he said, it's not easy to ask for help. We spend a lot of time hiding our neediness because we are afraid of what people will think. And for me, this is him, not me. For him, for me, being needy is a sign of weakness. And given a choice, I prefer to appear strong or at least competent. 
So what happens when we're weak and we aren't appearing as strong? You know, what happens when we're going through addiction and we literally need his power to help us escape that stronghold? What happens when we're going through battles? What happens when we're going through arguments with our spouse or our, our, our friends or people around us? What happens when we're weak? What happens when we can't, when we're going through hard times? You know, what happens when stuff is going wrong and we don't know what to do? You know, why are we afraid to be needy? Why are we afraid to be so needy? And we think that God views us as annoying when, when we come to him. Why do we, why do we fear that? You know? And so thinking of that, I think people by nature think needy people are just that. You know, if there's someone who's always reaching out to me in the dead of night, like I could think of a uh, situation where someone just would constantly text me at like 2 a.m. Thinking it like putting my actually I'm putting my, putting myself as God for a second. This is all hypothetical. This isn't any any sort of near biblical or anything. But if I was having people who I love constantly reach out to me. All, all the time, like even in the dead of night, even in situations where I have other stuff to do, I would find that to be just needy. I would be annoyed. You know, if someone was texting me every day, every second of the day, I'd be like, man, I am annoyed. And that is the difference between us and God is that he isn't annoyed. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But when there's neediness, we tend to think about how annoying that is in and of itself. I hate to be needy. You know, one of the things that I feel like um, is annoying the most is when people are like, hey, like, are you like, if I don't reply to a text right away and people are like, hey, are you there? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm here. I'm just, I'm busy. Or like, I haven't had time to reply, you know, like all that stuff. But that's who we are to God. But instead of, uh, instead of him being reactive, like we are of like, yeah, duh, I'm here. Like he, he doesn't have that. Right. Um, and we see two examples of this neediness. Okay. And there's one in Matthew 20, uh, verses 29 through 34. And I'll read it right now. And it says, as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him and behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out, all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. So that's one example. Um, so obviously you can see right here that the people around him, the crowd, these two blind men, they're crying out for help. They're like, Lord, we... We see you, son of David. We believe that you are the Lord. Will you please help us? We are blind. We, we you know, we we can't see. <laughs> and so, but what's so crazy is that the crowd, the people, the the imperfect people around these two blind men are like, "Hey, quiet. Like, stop." They're rebuking them, right? They're saying, "Hey, cut it out. Here comes the son of God walking by." And so, instead of Jesus going with the crowd in this situation, because he is God and he is above all else, above everything, right? He's above everybody. Instead of him having the same posture because he is holy and he is perfect, he instead, it says right here, it says, stopping. Jesus stopped 
And he called to them and said, what do you, what do you want me to do for you? He's saying, what, what it is, what is it that you're asking of me? And they announced him, they called him Lord. And they said, we believe that you can let our eyes be opened. And there's something crazy, which I never really understood when reading this verse, where it said, Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. And I never really understood pity. You know, we think of pity as like, like, uh, poor you or like, kind of like, uh, oh, pity on you for that. Um, but pity by definition is a feeling of sorrow and compassion caused by suffering and the misfortunes of others. Thank you, Google, for that. So it's not even a feeling of like, oh, poor you. It's a feeling of, hey, I have compassion for you. I have this sort of deep love for you. I have this feeling of, I care about you, you know? And that's what he had towards these two people. It wasn't that he was annoyed by them because you read that Jesus had pity on them or Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And I think, oh, Jesus was like annoyed. And, but, but he wasn't. He actually had compassion. He had this feeling of sorrow towards them because they were so, because they were blind, because they couldn't help that, right? And so you read that and you think, oh, okay. Even the people around noticed their neediness and they were annoyed by it. If you think about it, they were like, hey, shut up. <laughs> like God's walking by. He, he doesn't need you to be crying out to him. And that's what we do sometimes when we feel needy is because we see neediness around us and we're like, that's annoying. No one likes a needy person. Like every boyfriend, girlfriend is like, like, <laughs> I'll give you an example. Like there's a, I have a friend and like, they recently broke up with their uh, boyfriend. Right. And I was like, what happened? And like the thing that she said instantly was he was too needy. You know, he was, he was very insecure and he was needy. And that's what happens. That's the posture that we assume that we are in that situation is that we're, because we're insecure and because we don't have a firm security all the time, even though we do, but we just often forget because we're forgetful like that. We place ourselves in this neediness thing. We're like, I need security from this thing. I need security from this thing. But the beauty of it is that God is like, hey, I can be that security. Therefore, your neediness isn't coming out of insecurity. It's coming from your security, if that makes sense. Okay. And so then uh, the second example that I have is found in Mark 5, verses 24 through 34. So it says this, A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no longer, or was no better than, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her, in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So you read this, right? And it really matches the other ones, right? Even the, his own followers were like, Jesus, there's a ton of people touching you. How could you, how, like, there's a lot of people pressing around you. How could you just feel one person say, who touched my garment? 
and his garment. It wasn't even his skin. Think about that too. He literally like his robe, essentially. If someone touched my robe as I was in a crowd, think about the fact that Jesus was like, wait, who, who touched the, who touched my garment? Like, that's insane to me that he likes, like noticed that small detail. And it said he even like, um, perceiving it said he even perceived in himself that power had gone out from him because he she touched her robe, his uh garment right but instead of him just going along and letting that happen he said he still wanted to find out who it was right he was seeking it out and just like the other story he stopped and it was like who did that who who touched my garment right so jesus wasn't annoyed with these people instead he healed them instead he saw their neediness and said I'm going to heal you. So Jesus wasn't annoyed with his people. He had compassion towards them, not any sort of annoyance or reluctant reluctantness to heal them, right? He chose to heal them. He stopped and he said, I'm going to heal you. Like it even said, daughter, your faith has made you well. So the fact that she had faith enough to go up and just touch his garment was a fact of, I believe that he is who he says he is. And the blind man who were crying out, they couldn't even see him. They were like, hey, I believe you are who you say you are. Will you please heal us? Please heal us, right? And so that's the kind of faith that God, that Jesus was shocked by, right? And just as Jesus was merciful then, he's the same now. And he even says in Hebrews 13 verse 8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So because Jesus doesn't change, it means his compassion is the same for us, right? So think about, there's something that I think about too when I think about the father's heart for us. Right. And I think that's the goal is for us to understand and to comprehend God's heart for us. And we'll never completely understand it. Right. But while we're on earth, it's how, how do we do this? Right. And I think about a father's heart for his child and how the little child sometimes comes up and just asks him for things, you know, daddy, can you, can we go outside and play catch? You know, daddy, can we go, to the park and me as a kid was like daddy can we go to mcdonald's (laughs) you know and he's asking you know and daddy like all these little things like daddy can you heal can you can i have a band-aid i just cut my cut my leg and growing growing into adulthood adulthood daddy can i borrow a couple bucks to go to the movies you know dad can i do this dad can we do this you know a father's heart for his child he isn't annoyed when the child asks for things, right? And I think of that sometimes as a kid, you know, you're kind of not self-aware. And so you kind of like, oh, like, you don't really think about like their feelings at that age, right? You don't really think about like, oh, snap, like my dad works a job and is making money. And, but instead I'll be like, dad, can we get like, can we get this Lego set? I saw it online. Like, dad, can we go get it? Can we go to the store and go get it? Please, 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 you know? You don't really think you're not really self-aware at that point, but the more you grow older, the more you're like, oh man, like, I don't want to like step on my dad or step on my mom's, you know, you know, inconvenience. Right. But the father, the perfect father, he isn't even concerned about that. You know, I, I think about my dad, right? Like in this spot, in this spot right now, I'm like, dad, can I, can I borrow a couple bucks? I'm, you know, I don't get my paycheck for another week. Hey mom, can, can we order these, this new bed sheet? You know, like I'm, I'm, mine's kind of old, you know, different things like that. Right. And how in those moments I, I kind of, I don't know about you, but I kind of just like 
pause on wanting to ask because I feel like a bother. And I feel like, uh, I feel like I, I don't want to step on their inconsistency or not inconsistency. I don't want to step on their inconvenience. Right. But the father doesn't have that and he isn't no, isn't annoyed, but he has compassion. You know, I think that's one of the things is that as a father, you almost like are wanting that relationship, right? You're, you're, you're almost wanting that connection and Hey son, you know, I do want to bless you. I want to give you what, what it is that I think is best for you. I want, I want to bless you. You know, how often, you know, I'm not a dad, you know, and one of the things I look forward to as a dad is like the fact of like Christmas morning and like surprising them with the gift that they've been asking all year, you know, or the fact that if they're upset, I want to be there and comfort them. I want to be there when they cry. I want to, I want to laugh with them. I want to rejoice and have a good time with them. Right. And just replacing what we think God is with who he actually is and that he isn't just the stick in the mud that some dads are, you know, but he's this dad that's like, I love you. I want what's best for you. And I'm not annoyed by you. I, I, I made you me, you know, me and your mom made you. I am. I'm proud of you. I love you. So here's a takeaway. God being completely consistent all the time, isn't phased or annoyed by our constant inconsistencies, but he has com- he has perfect compassion for us. You know, and though we shouldn't minimize sin, and when we do, you know, give in to sin, and when we fall short, and we're in need of forgiveness, and we're in need of repentance, you know, we shouldn't minimize that because there are times when I feel embarrassed to come to him. There are times where I've given in to sin over and over and over again to the point where like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to like talk to God because I just feel so ashamed, uh, so embarrassed of my sin. I feel so like, oh, I gotta, I gotta turn to him and you know, he's so perfect and I'm not right. And having to feel annoying for constantly coming up to him. Right. But he rejoices in second chances, you know, and there are times where I feel needy when I when I'm asking him for things like, Lord, this relationship I'm in right now is like, I ask that you would make it clear or Lord, I, there's this job opportunity I want. Lord, this is, there's um healing in my family that I, I would, I need, I, I believe you can heal, right? There's these sometimes where I feel like there's a difficult balance between treating him as someone who can do what he can do and treating him as a, as a server, right? Which we'll get into in a little bit. You know, and there's other times where I feel annoying when I say one thing, but do the opposite. You know, and there are times where I feel like I make promises that, you know, I try so hard to keep, that we try so hard to keep. And I feel annoying when there are times where I'm constantly running back to him over and over and over again. Like, God, I, you know, as a man, I looked at a woman inappropriately today. God, forgive me. And then five minutes later, God, I looked at another woman. God, please forgive me. You know, you know what I mean? Like, but he isn't rolling his eyes, you know, and he isn't asking what he got himself into when he became our father, our heavenly father. But instead, he has perfect love, a love that doesn't have conditions, a love that's unconditional and that's consistent all the time. You know, I think of friendships that I've had that, you know, I, you know, I would take bullets for. And I'm, I'm sure you have had some of those, too, as well, of like man, I would just, I would, you know, jump in front of a train because I care for you so much. Right. And that love isn't reciprocated. And you're like, 
man, don't you understand how much love I have for you? Like, I care about you. And it's in those moments you're like, man, am, am I loving them too much? Or is it, am I being annoying with caring? And you look at that and you're like, oh man, like, why can't they see? But God isn't looking at us when we're doing the same thing to him, you know? Like, the fact that we give in to sin and that we willingly choose to sin is a is us failing to remember his perfect love for us, right? But instead of him being upset or annoyed that we're being inconsistent and that we're constantly failing and forgetting who he is and his love that satisfies, instead, he's like, I'm not phased by it. You know, you're imperfect. You are the result of the fall. You, 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 there's sin. But when you're with me, there isn't. In eternity, there will be no sin. There will be no sadness. You know what I mean? So instead of him being upset and being annoyed, instead he says, no, I love you. Come to me. Talk to me. Yeah, you've prayed this prayer a hundred times, but God, man, I, I can I can listen to it again. You know? Sure, you've fallen into this sin again. I get it. I'm not proud of it, and I don't like it. The, you know, he says the wages of sin is death, right? So we shouldn't take sin lightly, but he says, no. I want to heal you. I want to forgive you. I'm here for that. You know, I think a lot of times what we can often, we often feel annoying is when we're like, when we feel like we're taking advantage of his, of his forgiveness and we're like, man, why, why aren't I getting it right? You know, like I've asked, I've asked him to heal me of this addiction for a while, but why aren't I being healed? I don't think he's annoyed that we, ha- we aren't getting it yet, you know? But instead, he's like, no, that's the point. (laughs) I need you to be needy. (laughs) He's not annoyed when we're needy, like some people are, like I can be with people, right? But instead, he says, no, I'm your father. You can come to me. And just like a father, just like a child runs to his father every time he's upset. You know, there have been times where, you know, I feel like breakups are really hard, you know? And when my heart is hurting for weeks after a breakup, and the one person, I'm, I'll use my mom as an example because she's better at giving me hugs. <laughs> but, but she isn't annoyed when, I'm, when my heart is breaking, you know. Instead, she has compassion and she's like, I, I understand. I get it. I'm here for you. Vent to me all you want. I get it, you know. And that's God's heart. And he isn't annoyed. He isn't like, oh my gosh, like, I gave you the Bible. Like, you should read it, <laughs> you know. It says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, he's not saying it like that. You know, he's saying like, no, talk to me, vent to me. He's like, I'm, I'm the perfect father. And what your, what your earthly father can't do, I can do better. You know, I know what is perfect for you. I know what is better for you. And so that's the heartbeat. And that's the beauty of learning to understand God's heart for us is regardless of how good or bad we're doing in our own terms and in our own works, his love never fails. And it never makes a promise it doesn't keep, you know. His love is always going to override our fears of being annoying because he's that loving. So, challenge of the week. In situations like that, you know, where we're constantly like, oh, why aren't I getting it right, you know. Give yourself grace this week. And not just grace of like, oh, like I, you know, as like a self-obsession kind of deal, but kind of like a, no, I can give myself grace because I'm not perfect. 
you know, and there's just been, there's been the song that has been on my heart for a while, um, or this past week, I should say, um, by Corey Asbury. It's called Dear God. And there's the lines where he's like, you know, I've been trying so hard to make you proud of me, you know, and it seems like the harder that I try, the, the harder it becomes to, you know, be someone acceptable to you, right? But instead of us being so hard on ourselves when we're failing, because we're going to fail, we're always going to fail. We always fall short of the glory of God, right? But instead of us being so hard on ourselves and wondering why we can't, we can't get it, you know, why don't we give ourselves a little grace this week? Grace that isn't coming from ourselves, but grace that's coming from him, right? To know that regardless of how good or bad I'm doing, he's always good and his goodness extends through his forgiveness and through his love and compassion for us. So it doesn't matter how bad or good we're doing, we're always good when we're with him, right? It's not based on what we do. It's not based on our own works. Because a lot of times we feel like our relationship with him depends on how good or bad we are with him. But that's not the case. Our stance with him is always good if we are in him. So that's my encouragement to you guys. Give yourself grace this week. And remember, his love never fails. And it'll never run out. And it isn't dependent on how you're doing, but on what he's done for you. We'll see you guys next time.